0: I believe everyone will benefit from hearing all of the conversation. Learning your guide will make it better for me to understand you. All right. So, so my name is Luis Minamontes, and this is uh, my podcast called uh, The Guide to Your Psychopath. Right? The path that you're on in life. Uh-huh. If, uh, so you were saying... Go ahead. I was talking about how some young lady drove off with all my
1: belongings and my, my dog food, everything I have to take care of myself and my dogs. Yeah. Things I needed to finish building, like a bicycle, stuff like that, you know, my personal jewelry, whatever. And a couple today needed my help and I got to dump that on them a little bit, you know what I mean? and of them was going on and they were helping me and reassuring me and telling me that they had maybe seen the person they were going to help me, you know, and try and figure something out and maybe get some of my stuff back so I can take care of my, my pets here and whatnot. But other than that, um, I feel like uh, I was blessed to meet you I'm pleased pleasure to meet you There's a lot of stuff I want to say But um, mainly we're just getting through another day out here On this homelessness that um, tends to get on so many nerves But yet so many people turn to it Because they have no other way All the avenues to get there um, are not easy Just like all the avenues to not be homeless are not so easy There's a thing yeah. you're going to go through, you know you're gonna get stretched and pulled in directions. You're not gonna like all of it, but you're gonna deal with it and do your best to maintain, I guess. So that's what I'm dealing with today. Over here, hanging out with a uh, older cousin of mine who moved here while I was locked up in prison. Yeah, he was, uh, Johnny Ortiz was uh, episode number 14. That's right. Yeah. That's my older cousin, that's my family. That's my, my great uncle John's son. That's somebody I always looked up to, you know, spent a lot of time with me and a lot, all my family.
0: And they, teaching us math and things like that. He was a really good mathematician. So, do you mind if we uh, start off from the beginning? Do you know where you were born at? Yes.
1: I was born in a hospital called Eden Hospital in the top of the hills of San Leandro, California. Really? Yeah, overlooking oh, the Bay. Yeah, that's where I was born. Um, I lived in San Leandro, too, most of my childhood, as far as, like, from the age of what, whatever, when I was born So I was, like, about four and something. Years old, saw my dad three times at that age, and met him, and uh, I got to spend like moments with him, pretty much. Once, maybe like half a day or something. I think about that, and that has a large impact on me because I never had guidance from a dad. It was always some jerk, you know, d- baby, uh, babysitting. I thought of being a dad, but never could really re- even reach out to me because I was always hardened from seeing too many abusive situations with my mom. So. Um, it's crazy growing up out there though. It's a lot different than here. and This is a lot slower. I mean, it's overpopulated in the Bay area. You know what I mean? Oh, Big yeah. time. I and mean, you learn to move a little faster, and do things a little quicker, and you know, be a little, you know, smarter and, and learn how to talk. You have to learn how to talk to people. You ain't know, never get nowhere. You can't just keep your mouth shut, walk around. There's a lot of you know, homeless Don't giving people a dirty look and, and thinking you're cool looking or something. They didn't care about it. They want to know if you're right, and you better hurry up and answer and get what you need to to be better. And, and it's time to go again. It, was it what? wasn't baby is was there
0: you, a lot of homeless out
1: there back then it was more or less a homeless person was like a hobo and if there was homeless you'd see them near San Francisco and more of the tower districts and stuff you know what I mean and they group up together but they would never have too many communications with people back then I remember trying to get a bum or a hobo or somebody that was homeless like that you never would see them homeless anywhere you'd just know that they're around because they passed through but you couldn't even talk to them yeah you couldn't hand them everything they needed they wouldn't take it they wouldn't even look at you they would just keep pushing you Chase me down the road, call them names, wherever you want. They didn't care. They would just, they come in and they just travel through and they would not stop talking to them. They would not even acknowledge you. It was kind of strange. Now they'll, they'll camp out in your front yard if you let them, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's crazy, you know what I mean? This That's the way some of the things have changed. Back then, like homeless people, you know, I know that they barely speak. You could go down, down like, San Francisco or like where the, um, bigger buildings was in Oakland and wherever else. And I remember you try to say something to a homeless person and they would not have any communication. They would not talk to you. They start mumbling about whatever they were doing, totally ignore you. you, you couldn't communicate with them. Yeah. And Frisco was a trip because there's a lot of people that do entertainment. Um, just like right on Pier 30, I think it was Pier 39 and places like that. And the homeless back then they, uh, strangely or not, That was their go-to thing That was like something That they were proud of Because they were the same Those people were the ones That started like This homeless trip with them And came Became entertainment Of somehow As like a hustle To get by Yeah You see street people There's a lot of people That don't know What I'm talking about You ever seen that They'll juggle on the corner I mean they'll do whatever Some kind of trick Or something like that I can better believe And I'll tell you right now Those people are homeless And we're hurting Really hurting people And they chose to Find a talent within them Better than do like What a lot of people do now And start talking to themselves And Whatever's around them, whoever's around them, out of a so uh, an insanity, I think it's just an attitude of being angry to the world. They start talking, and, and that's what they'll do. They they revert to that instead of trying to find something positive in their, in their life that they can do for themselves. They just blame whoever and whatever, get mad, and then you just hear them talking. Like, they got nothing really nice to say. They'll be talking to nobody. They'll, they'll just throw these words out. Can you hear that? Like somebody's around here. Like they're always like making these things up, and I don't react to it because I know that they're just being mischievous or something, you know, it's a way to detour people or be amongst the crowd. You don't want to be in a circle of people talking and that one person that doesn't even know how to talk or communicate with me. So throw whatever out there and it's always weird, something crazy, like, oh, really? Okay, like, that's interesting and he's just making up something about some spirit that's around here and, and he's uncomfortable about it, doesn't like it or something. It's always something about what's not comfortable for them. It's, it's strange. People talk like that. But almost back then it was something else. It was like, Carneys, you ever been around a Carney? Yeah, <laughs> And people are dirty, man. They're scandalous and they are dirty, and they, they're like a trip. They're they're like, I don't know, I'd have to say, uh, how do you say that? Um, I'm not really a barbaric, but pretty close, you know. what I mean, they're really determined people. But every one of my guarantee you one path or the other had to reach out to the carneys to, to get themselves in a better position in life to try to better themselves, yeah. And it always turns out. They're just taking on, you know, spirit of a hustler. They're hustling people. They have to. They have to get you to come play these games. And, you know, come on out here. You'll make it. You'll do it. You know, they're always deceiving people. Them people are pretty smart. They're crafty. You got to watch them. <laughs> well,
0: they're sure, crazy.
1: Eh? But out here, man, every day is just one of those things. Where you got to get up, you know, And when you're home, you need to get up and find what you need instead of sitting around wanting it, needing it, letting it take over your mood you know, somehow you're gonna have to make your way where you can be where you're at, survive. I mean, a simple thing like a dollar in your pocket to get something to drink in the morning. And stuff we all do at home. First go-to thing, think about that. Every day, homeless person is trying to go to that. Breakfast is trying to go to clean themselves up. Just trying to see who's in the house, you know, is there anything you can do to help whoever, is everybody ready or something, you know what I mean? All that family stuff. It's the same thing, your responsibilities out here is yourself. And like with me, I got two dogs, they're responsibility. I'm trying to find them something you know if I don't have it already it's a, just an everyday struggle it's real yep. you know
0: now you were saying that uh, when you were a younger kid and your dad wasn't around that you would watch your mom yeah that was
1: that was a lot I, I still to this day believe that am I, when I was 5 years old 8 years old can you, can and you when explain when I moved out here when I was 14 you... how was I seen in so many years of life go by and so many things for such a long time but yet it was only a year's time it doesn't make sense to me when i was five i could have swore i i, I was five years old for like five years and a long five years that's what's strange eight two because so i was being tossed around a lot as a kid in foster homes and between family members and things and i still today just can't believe that that one year went by and so much of life went streaming past my eyes i watched myself live more than it seemed like a year as time. Even when I was 14, I moved out here and, and it was strange, but I could have swore I was up in the mountains every summer for at least four years at age 14, but it doesn't make any sense because when I, if I moved here when I was 14 and I moved out of where I was, where we landed out, outskirts of town out here in Visalia at age 15 and met my daughter's mother and stuff, I mean, how is it I remember so many summers up there? Out certain, out certain, where were all these summers that we went to? It, it mind boggles me that it, was, it could. That's not possible that it was one summer that we used to go up to those rivers and those mountains. I explored this whole area when I was younger. I got a lot of people up in, and actually going up there and you know diving off cliffs and spending the summer in the cool water up there, like in, on Three Rivers and up in the sequoias. Yeah. I mean, how is it that in one year's time I knew that the mountains and the rivers and, and going up into these hills so well? In one year's time, it don't make sense you told, man, hey, I've been riding up. I've been going up these mountains for a year. He'd laugh at you. He'd go, you're green. You don't know nothing about this mountain. And I could tell him i beg your pardon. You want to go up there? I can show you everything up there. I can name everything up there. And I could take places up there that I didn't even know existed that I had to find on myself. And then people would know when I knew anybody about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just by hearsay, how was only a year's time? There's no way. It's, you know, it's like, don't make sense. Like, Were you clean at sense. that
0: age? No,
1: I smoked. It's a lot of pot a lot of pot I'd wake up smoking pot and go to bed smoking pot i drink here and now and then with people you know with elders of mine of course I was always had favor with my elders so I didn't act like a child you know but that's what I'm saying we used to drink I, I could have swore like many summers went by up there and somehow I was only 14 when I moved here so how is it you know I see, remember so much but um I only turned another year older mind boggles me it really does man it makes me think something I don't know, it's not something wrong with me. I mean, maybe there's a time in my life, a few times where I just let go of everything and stopped worrying and had a blast, had fun, and it just seemed like a lot more time because I was having so much fun, you know. Because you remember it. I remember hiking out of a place called Cherry Falls one time, and the threat of rattlesnakes up there has always been, you know, a problem. Like, that's a definite thing. And I stopped, we were coming out, it was hot. It was 100 something plus, you know what I mean? and we were coming hiking up out. We're all carrying ice chests, and chairs and whatever else. We had drug down there to go swimming, you know what I mean? And I stopped dead in my tracks because I smelled the snake. I could smell where it had been hanging out, you know what I mean? next to a creek right there, I remember catching the wind of it. And I thought, oh man, it just smelled like it was too strong for it to be anything small, I knew that. And i stopped everyone i stopped i stopped everybody in there all i mean pissed off setting things down frank you know what's going on you want me to move they were cussing at me and I just. i just turned around looked at them and i went like "Shh!" And i was just like pointing at the trail and i was just like you know something was wrong with me and i didn't know my hair was all on my face but bangs were down on my belly but i mean my i lit, my hair grow like heavy metal concert guys whatever you want to call it you know stoner kids so and pretty soon we're all sitting there, and they're watching. they like, "And my buddy was getting mad at me. Like, Come on, what do you like?" But they were cussing me out. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong? You know. And sure enough, I'm sitting there, and I got them all to be quiet, and I'm watching this trail. And the trail looked like this curb, all the way down to where about the end of it is, and nine line, where the end of it is down there. And I sit, we were sitting there, all of a sudden, boom! This freaking snake breaks the trail, and you see it slither across the thing. And everybody, my buddy, was just trying to prompt me, like we're all sweating, we're wanting to get the hell out of there and I'm just like watching this thing stand there and they're like, what the? Like how in the, they're all watching it and they seen it break the trail and they seen it slide across and it took a minute for that thing to travel and I'm like, I was just sitting there like still just going, no, 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 no.
0: <laughs> I
1: would not have, wanted have been the one to look over and see that thing in the grass because I'm telling you, i have not. uh, oh, I would have dropped everything. I would have been afraid to jump this way because there was, the grass was up, up about to your knees on each side and all that was visible was a dirt trail like that through it. And I just saw them from here to that distance, and they would tripped them people out. That's what I'm saying, I learned something in the mountains, man, to be leery about stuff, because so many dens were found. And I seen them in the general store. They were stuffed and curled around and, and ready to strike. Just if you ever go up there and look at them, I would not want to see one of these things mad trying to bite at me. And their teeth are like that long, curved. I you know I wouldn't want one of these bite bite me. And there ain't no way I'd be freaked out. But yeah, it was a trip, learning all about the mountains. Uh, uh that's why i tell you don't get me on stories because i get stuck <laughs> i'm tired of so that's here. what i want to hear from you i want to so hear funny your experiences that that happened because look you hear a lot of stories native americans and things like that i mean show me too many stories where they saw a boy that could smell a freaking snake a good what how many how far I'm at, as far is that from here where we're sitting to like the end of this concrete little what is that a curb
0: you oh that's I mean? good 30
1: yards and that's about how far I, I smelled this snake and knew to stop it was not moving. I mean, there was six, seven people behind me carrying ice chests and things. and They wanted out of there. It was hot. It was where we were swimming. It was down in this, where this waterfall was up in, in North Fork, and they were pissed off wanting me to move, and I wouldn't budge. I knew that snakes, I knew something was there, something was wrong, and, and we sat there and watched until it happened. And right then, everybody shut up and had nothing to say all of a sudden. We waited for a little bit, and we're just standing there. I mean, we are sweating. And I'm just sitting there like, what do you guys think? You guys wanna try and go? You know what I mean? And they're like, yeah, let's go. I remember he was like, Eff it, you know what I mean? Let's go. And, I was, and he's back there you behind first. me. Just, yeah, and I'm just like, <laughs> almost like, man. And I, I was just swallowed my pride and took off walking, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, if it's over there curled up somewhere waiting for him, let's so be it. But man, I stopped it from being where it was traveling. I'd rather be where it's curled up and waiting, kinda in a sense, than, than where it was traveling, because it's traveling. You know, all it takes is for it to kinda go like this sideways, and it's gonna bite you. That's why people get bit. But how in the world did I sense and smell that snake all that distance? Cause yep. I never did that before. I'm not. I don't claim to be Native American. I never spent too much time up in the hills and learned about you know how to sense danger and things like that in the in the woods. It just hasn't happened. You know what I mean? With me, like I said, I was born in the city. I was a city boy. You know what I mean? Strange. But I always had a fascination for animals, the country and stuff. That's why I moved out. That's why I moved out here. My sister one day comes to me and I was living. I was homeless with my mother again. 14 years old, living in a, um, a trailer on a used car lot, mind you, riding the busiest East 14th in San Leandro. And she, my sister pulled up, and I ain't seen her in a while, and she says, look, Frankie, I'm moving to the country, and I want to know if you want to move with me because uh, I'm going to get married and stuff, you know. Danny's building a home for me and this and that. And, and that's all I had to hear was the word country. And, I mean, I was in the car, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's when I moved out here at age 14 with my sister and her family you know, and children.
0: Your sister was older?
1: Mm-hmm. About four years older than me. Yeah. We were separated lot to our childhood, but she's always had this really deep love and fear for for my protection, you know what I mean? Because she is an older sister. She tripped up. Because my mom was left in a trailer to think about how her son just moved away. She was so used to having me keep her company, you know, what I mean, through all her addictions and all the stuff that she was going through.
0: Your mom had addiction. I can
1: honestly say there's no man on this planet that will ever stand where I stood as a young man with my mother or a man. They'll never add up to things I had to watch my mom go through ever. You don't I think, think have there's time guys in this out there life? That, uh, there's that, uh, not that, uh, enough time in this life. No, not no that? man. Not even if she was married for X million. I don't care. There's not no man that's ever watched me. I had to watch my mom go through all these guys, and relationships and things with these with these d- different gentlemen. You know what I mean? So there's no way anyone can ever like. You know, one of them guys could ever say oh I was there with your mom what are you talking about well okay what about the the other ones the, you know the too many that I can account what about watching you come and go and seeing another man come and go and whatever else occurred in my life start doing you know whatever you gotta do to try and add up to what I've had to see my mom go through like it doesn't you can't do it you're not ever gonna be able to do it no one's gonna be able to do it because I know I was her child and she didn't wanna let go of me yeah. so I have seen her go through a lot of things and I have seen a lot of things I shouldn't have seen you know always having to hear apologies for it and stuff. And that's why I'm home after 13 years because my mom reacted badly to me having an emotional breakdown and started yelling. I didn't know I had post-traumatic stress disorder, man. Had no idea. Something clicked to me in that day and for three half hours, I was just trying to get away from people and get through. I couldn't talk. I didn't know where I was going and what to do. I just, I was, something had clicked in my mind and brought me back to a really screwed up time in my life on the street where my mom was taking a lot of things out on me as I was cold, hungry, and depending on her to do something about it. And on the street, she don't really know what's gonna happen. There were times I spent the whole night out on the street by myself, at bus stops and things, you know what I mean? Waiting for mom to come back and she'd come back mad at me for some reason, you know what I mean? And that day she was, she jumped out of her car and I seen her in years, she just moved down here. She started screaming at me and I succumbed to, to what it was called known as post-traumatic stress disorder. I didn't even know, I was 34 years old. I never knew what that was, you know what I mean? As far as like, what was wrong with me? I, Cops found me. I was out traveling, in, in down some dirt road. And I asked them to take me somewhere. To take me, and they said, "Why? What's going on?" I said, "I don't know where I am. I have no idea where I'm going, sir." Apparently, I've been doing this long enough that I could talk. Now I couldn't talk for the longest time. I was walking. Around. I didn't know what to do. I was panicking inside myself because all I could feel was this overwhelming urge of anger that needed. I needed to release some anger. I needed to, to get something out of my system. And I didn't know how to deal with it. It was too strong. So I was just trying to get away. It's just strange to like, see me walk around like a zombie trying to get away from people, begging people to get away from me, and they would doubt that I was trying to throw a field. I don't know what they were digging. But they wouldn't let me go, you know what I mean? And it, it, it resulted badly, you know what I mean? I heard somebody I know and love for 15 years I respected, just to get out of the car because I could not, I couldn't control what I was going through in my thoughts, you know what I mean? I, there, there were times I remember taking whatever I had on my head, a sweater or something, trying to block my eyes from seeing people. I see a car coming next to me and we're doing going on the highway and all I can do, all the urges and everything that it's ever taken me to urge me to do anything was there. The present, wanting me to climb out of my car window and into their car window and attack this person for some reason, and, but it was overwhelmingly like where I was like struggling like, hey, like I'm trying to tell this person, you need to let me out of this car. All I wanted to do was walk, I remember, and I kept telling this person, begging this person, please let me out of the car, pull over and let me out of the car. Cause I was, every time I looked or looked around and I'd get reminded that there was someone driving next to me for some reason, something about him I didn't like or something. I, I mean, I could imagine climbing out of a car doing 65 miles an hour into another car, attacking man Of course it's getting that bad. We could have flipped, be killed, I could have killed both of us or all of us for all I know. And, you know I mean? I finally forced the car to side road and, and what occurred occurred and I got the hell out of the car and it, it didn't stop there. Like it was bad. I mean, this person even testified for me. She said, look, after the judge asked her, do you think this man needs president? She says, no. I've known him for 15 years. I've never seen that, that young man raise his voice at somebody. He's not this way. Like, he needs help. And the, the judge was pissed off because he did know what to do because there was no leading up to anything. There was no domestic, no argument, no anything. I was she was trying to help me deal with something that later on I found out when I was paroling. I talked to my pro. I told him I want to be responsible What happened? I didn't ever want to face that again. I never want to do that. I would do everything I can, programs, whatever it takes to never ever face that situation again, ever, because it was something that I, I've known and loved for so long and that helped me in a young age out here with places to stay and things with her family. I mean, her sons called me their big brother, her twin sons, you know what I mean? There's no way I'd ever do that. I would, I would protect them with everyone in my dear life, you know what I mean? But yet here I was dragging this person out of the car to get away from me so I could get away is what turned out to happen, you know what I mean? So I just got home, I've been home about a year after 13 years of going to prison in 08. And I, and I wanted to go to prison for that because it had happened and there was nothing like, I could not explain to anybody that I, though I was at fault, I had no control over what I was doing, I did not know. Which prison? I went to CMC West, it's called, the California Men's Colony. Um, it was dorm living, there was 98 something people in an east dorm and we're living like Closer to me and yard, probably about where me and yard is how our bunks were in there, that close. And you had a guy up, up above you in one big you know, in a dorm, in one big room. So to say, it wasn't really very big. I mean, we were crammed in there, it was crazy. Yeah, that's just something that has happened to me, but for whatever reason, I was being asked to come home and take care of my mother and getting pictures and things in Shasta County while I was waiting to get off parole and stuff homeless up there no no family no friends doing the best i can because the state ran out of funding for me they tell me while i was working part-time and living in a sober living after after the program i was doing good and then he my parole officer said hey i got some good news and bad news good news is i bought you some pu- bus passes you've been asking for for the last four months yeah the, uh, the, the bad news is we don't have any funding for you and we don't know what we're gonna do so i thought automatically i'm gonna get to go home and maybe see my mother before she passes away get to meet my grandchild, you know what I mean? Or something, you know what I mean? And um, they told me no. I said, well, what's gonna go on? Cause I don't have any friends, family in this county. They said, well, check this out. Don't worry about it. We're doing our best. We're trying to talk to whatever the, the place was through the state that was funding us living in these sober livings, which is a ridiculous amount of money a month. You know what I mean? And I was like, man, okay. Well, I told them in a bad way, cause I was mad. He wouldn't let me transfer. He told me right away, he shut me down before he went and asked his the superiors. There's no, we're not going to let you transfer. I had a job offer in Arizona with a pool company. Somebody wanted to give me, a, somebody I was locked up with, believe it or not, a company truck. And I have family in Arizona, but it wasn't me family. It was my aunts and uncles, people I grew up around that I knew really well. And they wouldn't let me move. They wouldn't let me come home to see my mom. And every day was dawning on me that it, it, it really urged me to think that my mom was going to pass away and I couldn't go home. Let alone go go meet my grandchild. You know, I mean, in this town that I was in communication with my daughter right before I got released, and it was like two months before on parole, they're telling me that they're gonna move me, to, uh, relocate me, into to Shasta County, right above California. And that's a far cry from Tulare County, you know, in the Central Valley. I thought, what? This has gotta be wrong. But they made me sign the papers. They said I could just sign them after trying to fight it, or I could stay there. So I went homeless out there. I had, like, over two and a half dozen arrests for absconding because once he told me that, I said, you know what? I'll be near the mission somewhere. I have no family, or friends. I don't know this place. It's off the chain out here. I've been warned and told, and I've seen the damage done to this county and, and the type of people that are around us. It was really freaking out there to live out there. There's a lot of woods. A lot of woods? A lot of woods in Shasta County and Redding, California. And I landed with some of the worst, and that, but some of the better people that— you wouldn't think there would be a large uh, homeless you know, population out there. Oh, man, there's, you're surrounded by woods. The Sacramento River runs through the, that town and that county, for, for Christ's sakes. I mean, the Sacramento River. Is wide, it's wider than this road right here. It's two, in some most places where I was at, it was like two or three of these Cypress Bridge. It was two or three of these, from this side this curb to the other side of the street, it was two or three of those wide. And, I mean, all along the banks, it's nothing but woods. I mean, homeless was like... Welcome to camping. You know what I mean. Oh. And getting lost in the woods, right? And going, out there. Nobody's, you know what I mean. Nobody knows
0: you're out there. Where you're
1: at, because yeah, you're not. You're you until they come out there and they got to hike to come and see what's going on and chase the homeless out. It ain't like out here, they're beside the canal or a park or somewhere. It's not like that out there. You have to go hiking through the woods to find homeless camps and things. And I mean, they
0: grow a lot of weed out there. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it was crazy. So I finally got arrested for it and they locked me up for it. Never got any charge though. I spent a lot of time around the street out there and I, they never picked up no, no violations. I picked up dogs who I did and tried to help me freaking, you know, just get rid of that void of being lonely. You know what I mean? And not having, you know, somebody stick around me and s- struggle with you. It's hard to get somebody to struggle with you They're not willing to do it. A lot of them, you know, they come around when you're doing a little better or something, you know what I mean? Are doing good. And I ended up one of those guys that would help a lot. I'd help everybody. Elders of mine, everything, I'd give them everything I had because I knew I'd be all right. I know what it's like to go without, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not scared. I'm not having anything because I'll get down the street around the corner and then run into some more people I know that obviously have respect and a little love, love for me. A little bit, you know, of uh, knowledge about what I'm going through and knowing that I may need some or something and I, I would be okay. You know? You know, if I had to you know, suffer for a night or something, I'd give up everything I had to you people. Know. It was a thing to do, you know what I mean? It wasn't that I was trying to get their attention and be better than anybody. It was just I saw the knee knot and I would be damned to see a couple of. that I know, elders of mine, going without everything and in a bad mood, hurting, you know what I mean? Can't get along and things are happening because of it, because they're arguing. It's just getting worse, you know? Their chances of belongings are getting thrown around, they're arguing, fighting, you know what I mean, type thing, and I'd go in there and say, here, Look, I'm on my way to somewhere, somebody's, you know, I got a hold of, gave me a message to come over to the other side of town, I got a friend that wants to hook me up with whatever I need for, you know, the night or the next couple of days as far as food or clothes or something, you guys can have this stuff, whatever it was, you know what I mean? I'd help them out, and they're like, really? Really right now? And I'm like, yeah, and they're like, wow, man, we've been sitting here for how many hours now, six hours, fighting, arguing, when, you know, go crazy over this? I'm like, don't trip, bro, I'll be back, you know what I mean? And I would, I'd come back. And if they weren't okay, I'd make sure they were And I'd leave again if I had to, you know what I mean? It just depends on where you were out there And who you were around in that circle If it's someone you knew, of course you went Hey, how you, how you doing? Are you alright? Do you need anything? That's the most co- last question, just like in prison that you'll, that you'll have to answer Are you okay? You need anything, you know what I mean? Alright, I love your life, bro, you know what I mean? If you need anything, let me know Don't just, you know, don't be quiet, you know what I mean? Because I'll do what I can to help you out A lot of people would turn down or they, you know they Let you help them, you know If they weren't, you know, too he stuck on themselves hard, too proud to, you know, to take something or something and you know, let them help and let you out. And just one of those things you learn to do out there. But yeah, Shasta County was crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh huh. Winter times out there, cold, the river's already cold. And it's cold out there, like sometimes. I hate it in certain neighborhoods around the river. I hate it. My skin would dissolve, just be, Ugh, I'd already be shivering. <laughs> and then here comes the rain. And I mean, whatever you had as a camp or somewhere to stay warm and dry. Bye bye. It always end up bad. Like I was be soaked all night, just standing in the rain with a jacket on, just letting it all run off, and just trying not to move, no matter what, because I couldn't stand the cold. Like I wet clothes against my skin, I, I get, I get stiff. You know what I mean, I can't move. I'm seriously, I can't, I can't stand this the freezing cold on me because I'm warm blood. Let alone having to travel and move around in wet clothes it's like, nah. I always sit there and shiver, you know, until it was over. Or you know, I start drying off the next morning, I still be standing there freezing. Until I start drying off or like getting a little warm, until someone come along and have something for driving me to put on or something, and I go peeling my clothes off as slow as I can because it's cold <laughs> even moving. I'm like, oh man, you know what I mean? No, and I get up and put something on me. You know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. It snowed twice out there, all the way in, in, right on right in town. Well, yeah, sure. County's pretty in high up there, right? Yeah, but. Yeah. In you know, it hadn't snowed out there in 50-something years or something, they're telling us. Really? Twice it snowed, and, and I mean, it was tearing trees up. People were stuck. They had to see what it was like to live up in, the, in Mount Shasta, you know, in Shasta Mountain, down in, in town, in the county over there. I mean, it was messing everything up. Trees were falling on trailer homes. I mean, it was bad. We were all just stuck. I thought it was hilarious. I was cracking up. I thought it was awesome. We were even going nowhere. Unless you wanna go travel out in the snow to get through somewhere. Yeah. I know professional time is too late. Yeah, anyway, I'm Frank. Now we're talking about things before the heck of it. Cause I'm homeless out here making the best of it and I don't know. I don't know what to say or to the, people are looking down on us out here. It seems like we're being pain in the ass and it looks easy to have a you know, ask for a handout or something like that. I've never been okay with asking for something or being embarrassed. I can't stand it. i worked really hard growing up, keep school and everything else to keep from embarrassing myself. They have that was one of the most things I always wanted to be able to say hi to the homies or you know or go hang out with people that everybody kinda of looked up to, you know what I mean? So I would always try my best not to like you know embarrass myself. Why do you people. think
0: people have a problem with US? Because they know within
1: themselves that we could be reaching out somewhere to county um, programs and things to get ourselves up off the street. Needless to say, there's a lot of people that don't like to be indoors. It's not something that they're proud of or something. That it's, it's just always, you got people like my cousin over here. The guy's been through wars. He's, he's, used to, he's not used to being indoors like that. He cannot stand it. People like me went to prison and had to sit there when I locked it not day in, day out for years on end. Something in my heart, I knew that I was gonna be okay, but I was suffering. I never intended for that to happen for me to have an emotional breakdown and then you know succumb to post traumatic stress disorder all in one day. But the reality is, it did, and so I'm like, a lot of them, they don't know how they can't. A lot of the, I I didn't recognize this when I was younger with the hobos, they called them more the homeless. Go to grabbing them and trying to put them in four walls in a home, and they will throw a fit. They'll self destruct. They'll flip out and break everything. They can't stand it. It's just something that they can't deal with in their minds. They can't do it. If you take their freedom of just being where they can, where where they feel they can go across the street, but they can go over here and do something, but they're going to be okay, even though they have not a home like everybody else. They'll find a place to lay down. They're doing their best to be out of the way in a sense, of not. But I know there's a lot of people that cannot sit still. They cannot be in a home. You can offer them a nice big place. They'll go and visit, but I guarantee you they will go- walk out of there either for an addiction they can't get rid of, that they've had for a long time, like my cousin over here. He's got an addiction to alcohol, and it's not like he's stumbling around here drunk all the time like, and needing wine or whatever like the hobos used to do, you know, a no? He takes care of himself, and he settles his nerves gives himself some peace of mind so he can sleep at night. It just so happens he doesn't want to go far from here because this is where he can do that without... You know, scrutiny, being criticized or being thrown out of people, you know, give, seeing he's drinking and giving a little too much next, you know, two days later, he's, you know, he's face down in the curb and they're to drag him in the house and he's having to wake up and explain himself to people, you know, things like that. He'd rather be out here responsible for himself than in somebody's home where he's being a burden, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And dirty and filthy and slurring, drunk, and trying to communicate with people like family, younger family members, drunk. Never really works out that way, you know. They always end up having okay. You gotta go. We need you to go. Can somebody drop them back off where you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So they end up, you know, wanting to just be where you're okay out here, where no one's. You're not, you know, taking up so much time or making trouble. I guess you say.
0: You think there's a lot of times where, like, the homeless just camp out, and they leave a big mess, or Hughes they, mass.
1: Uh, and it makes other people, other other homeless people, mad. And it starts out from being around each other anyway Or being somewhere where your belongings are, re- are vulnerable Because people will steal from people And yeah. what happens is you don't trust the man next to you anymore And what happens when you don't trust the man next to you There's no unity, there's no peace of mind in your life Because you, you would like to return to your camp And spend your time cleaning up whatever mess you have around you But instead you're having to go and try and find your stuff and stop people from stealing from you, and having to go about spending your time, you know, I mean, mad at somebody, and trying to, you know, get through there so whoever, and get a hold of somebody, and get your stuff back, type thing. Where a whole day and a half gone by, now you you don't care.
0: What do you think you about get, all like, these like, guys? So they start. That's
1: not all that. I don't care anymore. It's like stuff. You know, what I mean, like, who cares? County it up. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: And but you see a lot of people trying to stop that and trying to motivate them to do so as far as like cleaning up like me everywhere I go there'd be a huge mess in this parking lot and I will honestly say the most I'd have to say at least 80% of the time I will pick up every little piece of trash that I brought there because I'm not going to do it you know what I mean I know I've learned better and pick my stuff up and leave every time I've ever brought anything anywhere and I've had county officials cops and everybody like push me out of somewhere and make me leave stuff because I'm trying to drag it all up out of there don't worry about trash don't worry about just get you grab your things and go you know what I mean it's like Hey, man, just a little bit. Can I get, clean this trash up? You know, they're like, no, you know what? Just go. If you want to come back before we get it up, you can come do it. If not, right now you just need to go. And it's like I couldn't, you know, I felt bad leaving the trash there because of whatever
0: reason. What do you think about these guys, like, setting up on Venice Beach or in Santa Monica or in Hollywood? It's easy. It's easy? Yeah, you can think about it.
1: You got people who... A party animals in a sense that's where they found their freedom and their smile in life that's where they they communicate with people and function see what I'm saying as addicts as entertainers as human beings you can't it's hard to socialize you can't just socialize with anybody you can't just hang out with with any any old body and be next to you for long periods of time you notice people will get bored real quick or they'll get up and and they'll take off and you're ready to see them but yet they're cool to be around and you know uplifting when they are, but they can not sit still around people that they're not like them. They get bored real easy and take off, you know what I mean? Because they realize that they're not with this type of crowd. People sit around just cool, kicking back, sharing a cigarette or whatnot, or you know, a joint or something, you know what I mean, or whatever. They're not with it. They're not having it, especially females, they're gone. You know what I mean? It's not fast enough pace for them. You don't have enough open your pocket. There's no way, so they're gone. It's just, you know, there's just a lot to it. More than, but the people on Venice... They, we sit around they all know each other's ways they're all living every day for the same thing pretty much some peace of mind on top of whatever it is that'll get them through as far as you know hygiene and food or whatever drugs and whatnot and alcohols or whatever it's easier for them to function that way like guys in prison a lot of guys can't function out here they can function in prison they can do everything they can get everything done because they know where to move and how to be about what will help them and, and others Get what they need. For some reason, it just works that way. It's like a system that you can't control. Ants will do it. You know what I mean? Insects. You see one carrying thing Next you know, you see a whole line of them. And they the accomplished whatever they did. It, all it took was for all the one that struggling, the new. It was in his blood in his gene. Whatever's driving him to be an ant is what he starts doing, and he'll do it. And the other one will catch on. And next thing you know, they're all helping each other, and they're they're being productive now. They're multiplying. You know what I mean? Think about it, you know, they're, they're able to live their lives now And now their life's meaningful because they got to accomplish something together But it took them to come together to do it So You know what I'm saying? Once again, that's what they do down there, I think, at the beach They come together, they agree about things They feel comfortable because everybody knows each other And if anything out of the ordinary shows up It'll be addressed and, and talked to about people Any questions are already answered Hey, who is this person? you What are the cops saying today? You know, you know we're in trouble, they, they want us out here all kinds of stuff like that. They know where to move to, to not be, and when they're not. That's why a lot of homeless just see with a backpack, and they're really grungy and dirty because they'll just keep moving. They, they refuse like me to have anything anywhere. Try to keep anything, you know. That part of the risk of being homeless is over. They, they choose to keep moving, where they can, you know, function and where they're accepted and things like that and socialize with people. It's no fun to be. I know that homeless and alone, never will be. It's really, it takes you down a long road of loneliness. I tell you, when it's, it's strange. To think what we can get used to, what a human can get used to.
0: Now you said you had a anger issues. Uh uh, issues. Uh-uh. that that day I did.
1: Uh-uh. That day that I used to come post traumatic stress disorder, that yeah. I didn't even know I had. Yeah, I couldn't even control what was going on me. I'm not an angry person at all. I learned something through going to church when I was doing good and being productive and society and things like that. You know, what I mean, I've always been in church as a kid in and out. You know, what I mean, Which I moved around all kinds of churches. Everything. I mean being from the Bay Area I couldn't tell you how many people raised you There's no way I had, That's the whole like A lot of people I was passed around through family members Back and forth all my life Friends of the family Like my mother's friends and things A lot of them were babysitting I me. Mean, my school records alone If you were able to look at them You'd go wow This is kind of like Strange but This kid hardly existed in the school system You know what I mean And when he did show up It seems like he wasn't wherever he was very long because there he was up and gone and he had to go to this page now or whatever, this part of, the, of his co records to find out where he went. And the gaps in between seemed really, really, like, it would probably piss a lot of people off.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I'm saying? Seriously, like, you'd be like, what the hell is going on with this kid? Why? Who's these people now? Oh, it's a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or it was a foster home somewhere the county had, you know, placed him in, you know what I mean? Or them in, in a situation... I had to come to Learn people's rules And homes and things And like I said I ran the streets as a kid My mom let me run the streets You know She was a party animal She had a lot of friends That they keep an eye on me But for the most part They're home. You know The homeboys And homegirls out there That you know I mean Were just Wild and crazy You know what I mean and They never really gave You know Gave a shit about anything Other than themselves And I was around And the people that They knew and loved That's it uh, so for me to have to go to homes And put my kid Put your elbows on the table And had to say please and thank you And put chairs back And all this stuff Was strange to me And I could do it And it was always like One of the things were like This is kind of easy But this is ridiculous You know what I mean Every day And, and learn these people's rules And people coming down I never had a father to come down on I me. Mean, when I was four years old My mom threatened to spank me Because my mom was going to My sister had me in a suitcase was going to run away with me And she opened the, She spanked my sister I think And uh, opened the suitcase And here I come out in my little, you know, clipped on under, uh, underwears on, in a diaper, back then we had cloth diapers. And she went to spank me and I was only about four years old. I flew completely over her bed, never touched it, she said. And she swore that day, promised me she would never ever, ever in her life try to spank me or spank me again. She couldn't believe I, that I flew over this bed the way I flew over this bed and didn't touch it and was on the other side of it. Like, she would just spank me, and I was over the bed like I was. Like, nah, yeah, that's what you're not doing, you know what I mean? And flew over that bed. She she said she'd never seen anything like that in her life, and she would never put her try to put her hands on me again. And she hasn't. She never tried to put her hands on me again. After that day, I was four years old. Well, I was standing there looking at her. She's like, Kim here. Frankie." She's looking at me. She goes, "How did you get on the other side of the bed like that? I've never seen a kid be able to move like that. You didn't even touch the bed in your little superhero diapers. You know what I mean? What are you? How did you get over there so quick? I didn't even turn around. And you were gone." You knew I was going to spank you, huh? And I was just standing there like, you're not, though. You know, I was ready to jump over the bed again. I was thinking, she goes, listen, that's what she told me. I will never, ever try to spank you again, son. As long as I live, I'll never try to put my hands on you again. Because she says, I've never seen a child fly like that over a bed, and I don't want to see it again. Like, she, has, she, that day, she decided she was, wasn't going to do it. She, she didn't understand what she saw and couldn't explain it, so she said, you know what, I'll never do it again. Says, we leave well enough alone. She never, ever tried to spank me from that day on. No. No. Nope. She wouldn't do it. That's one of the times that she actually was living with somebody, and we were, me and my sister were together, and able to enjoy each other's childhood together, and, and we're going through everyday you know life situations with our mother, it cracks me up, because when I was that age, I was, I was hilarious. That's before I got street smart. I was four then, and slowly that's when I started getting a lot of permission to play outside, and. When I was an adventurous little kid, I would take, I would go to like schoolyards and things. Everywhere I thought kids were playing, you know what I mean? When the school was out, and then run around the schools and stuff, play on all, all the things I normally wasn't able to do. I didn't know how to be on swings and climb the monkey bars and stuff like that. So I go doing when all the kids were out of school because my ass was not in school, you know what I mean? I go places that people, kids shouldn't probably be, you know what I mean? Pigeons and whatnot, like, Thousands of. them. I used to go to places go and chase them all out maybe all the and be flying out through neighborhoods all over the bay area all of a sudden you know what I mean? Thousands of them. I found one where they nest and, but well, you know what I mean? Go fl- yeah. flutter them all out and get them out of there. Just strange things like that. And I had to go through some real loopholes, like physical loopholes, to get there. You know, to find these things. The trip. Yeah. Because I'd ask people when I was a kid, was like, Hey, where are your pigeons at? You know? I mean, like, Why come to the tunnel? Hey, man, I'll tell you where the street people. Was raising me. I'll tell you how to find them. Check this out, little boy. Come here. Let me tell you. You know what I mean? And they just get all in the detail. And that's where you're going to find the pigeons. You want to mind? That's where you're going to go in there. And what are you going to do? Feed them. What are you doing, Frankie? You know What's up? I'd be like, I just want to go see them. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you're up to something, you know what I Because mean? I wanted to go find a way where to see if they had any babies and so I could catch them. And if not, I'm chasing them all out there because they ain't got nothing. You know what I mean? Man, it was just a trip because I used to always want to catch some things. Because they're pretty birds, you know what I mean? They shine, to get that air distance, Yeah. I always wanted to catch them. Especially the little white, flashy ones, those polka dots, them. I think, oh, it's real rare, we gotta get that. Nah, you ain't catching them. And you can't find no babies unless you cage them up, you know what I mean? I was an adventurous kid, though. That's kid kids show up at your house. Going backyard to play, talk you into tipping your toy box. I wrote a story about that in prison called tipping over toy boxes. About me being a kid and going manipulating kids and their parents if we could tip their toy box over in the room if we cleaned up the room when we were done, you know what I mean? Kids would trip out because the parents would give them permission and they no way, they said we can do it. you know, yeah, and they'd look at me like, oh, you're awesome. And we'd dump in that big old toy box out, man. I mean, you yeah, have everything from broken crayons, bolts, and screws, and parts to Barbies and just broken Hot Wheels and shit. You know what I mean? We'd all be going through that crap. But we'd always have to clean up afterwards because the parents was, of course, you guys are going to clean that mess, you promised, you know what I mean? <laughs> trip out. Yeah, it's oh. kind of crazy. Could you just trip out on me? Because it would be this time of night And I'd finally leave leaving And they'd be like Mommy or like, You know what I mean? Where's he going Then the question was just like Where's your mom Where's your parent Where do you live The only thing I could answer Was where I live Over My town off Melody Way By my grandma And it was like From here I'm talking like Past probably Walnut yeah, I went down Walnut to Larry, probably past Larry, just almost to the highways where I was walking as a kid on my own at that age. Yeah. And it used to get parents really tripped out and their kids would be wondering what the hell's going on. You know, why don't I have mom? Why don't I have parents? Why am I not griffy? Why are my parents not looking for me? I remember some of the parents would be pissed. Like, are you gonna be alright? Yeah, and they'd have to just like stop each other from wanting help, grab keys and take me somewhere. You know I mean? I'd already be gone. I'd be already making check down road, All right, alright. Frankie, it was nice being you. You know what I mean? <laughs> kid come to their house and spend day all day blow their kid's mind and like gone, never seen me again. You know what I mean? Occasionally I do try to go find kids like that again. I don't know. It wasn't the same. as trippy. I was a trippy little kid. I remember I literally, freaking man, I had I had bad habits. You know what I mean? I, I'd go and meet some kids and see their dog. I wanted, always wanted to go to check out their pet. I had one thing in mind, I was hungry <laughs> And I was trying to eat their broken dog food I would fill my pockets up full And you be walking around chomp food? it, I would eat it I would put it fill my pockets up with it, you better believe it And chomp around playing and eating it Trying to act like it on the slide And the kids, would some of the kids would catch on to what I was doing And just be like, well, whatever, we're having fun You know what I mean, I guess it's like eating dog food And I'm sitting there like, you know what I mean Making a dinner, make the best of a meal Out of their freaking Alpo or their gravy but what was the one? I remember there was one that had a freaking what do you call them things that are pulled by horses wagon wagon train or some something, something like that I remember eating that crap it was so dry and big and bulky it was nasty nasty. but as a kid I didn't know better It's only 4 years old 5 years old maybe and i get hungry and that's what I found to eat because I didn't know how to ask for food from strange kids and parents and things you know what I mean it was always one of those issues where can is it okay if I ask for something to drink or is it okay if I ask for a glass of water things were different when we were little I don't know how what age you are I'm already 47 and it's like Things were different. Kids experienced things when they were kids. You went and played, you learned about life skills when you were a kid, you know what I mean? Stuff. So that's why a lot of this I see is just passing time. It hurts me because I don't like to think that too much time has gone past, like with me going, being gone 13 years. I mean, I, I ended up going to prison in a You're seven You're 47 year, right now? Yeah. yeah, I got a seven year term at 85%. It was supposed to do like six, over six years or something. But what? where did that add up to? add up to freaking 13 years, you know? That's twice the amount of time I was supposed to be gone. Exactly. Why? You know, that's a lot of time that I, that I missed out on coming back home and getting productive here and then getting on my feet. I know I would have already been doing that. I had have been somewhere, probably in a relationship or something better than I'm doing now because I just got home and I'm out here. There's a reason why I'm out here because I wouldn't let these dogs go and be at my mom's bedside when she was hospitalized, like the first few times for a broken hip, and I think it was... Uh, what she is OCPD now, you know, having to have breathing machines keeping her alive, you know what I mean and stuff like that, and all the stuff I lost because I was getting on my feet and I was about to do do the damn thing, you know what I mean I had a SUV a trailer, all the equipment to do lawn service, um, tree service, you know I was gonna try and go into business for myself with me and my little brother and be a big brother to my little to my little brother who refuses to to you know what I mean. Believe in me, you know what I mean? Believe that I'm real, that I'm looking out for his better interests. I'm not just just trying to be his boss or just trying to be somebody that did what, everything that he has or will have then for him. I mean, it's not like that with me, you know what I mean? My mom doesn't even believe me and she's the one who raised me the way I am and that's just really strange. So I believe, honestly, because I didn't leave this dog who I promised I wouldn't leave because of his struggles. And when he had gone through his separation issue, was major, I made mean, a dog would settle down. And I promised him I wouldn't leave him. And he had to stop what he was doing because he wouldn't let me move. I could not move. That dog was so attentive. I moved one inch and he was right there. You just see that dog? He's really protective of me. That dog loves me. So is the other one. But he just grew dependent on me, you know what I mean? And I told him I wouldn't leave him because I've always had a heart for animals. I've never been able really to be cruel to animals or just leave one behind. That was my pet. There's no way I'd ever been able to do it as a kid. And as an adult, I'm now I'm more, more responsible and I realize that I won't do it, you know what I mean? So because I didn't leave the dog when the time arose for me to get on a bus ticket, so my sister's saying to come home and hopefully see my mom before she passes away. I believe my sister held against me and made sure that my mom did too. So now I'm home and I was pushed out, lost everything, have lost everything, still losing things, but I have one thing, my dogs. Yeah. The same ones I wouldn't leave, you know what I mean? To come to my mother's Best Buy, that's what I'm having to suffer right now, is being, you know, that being vindictively pushed and obvious in my life right now, which is strange because I came home believing in meeting my grandchildren. I have two grandchildren in town I haven't even met, you know, back when I started. How many kids do you have? I have one child. One child? One daughter.
0: One and daughter really and, her, and two I, It grandkids. was an amazing
1: struggle to be a part of her life. I'm telling you right now, me being who I am and how I grew up and being, you know, susceptible to partying, smoking, or whatever it is, even though I gave it up completely... In 2000 or before 2000 everything, I quit doing everything and was cleaning for years going to church, had a career had my own homes, had insurance on everything every bill was in my name I was on the outside looking in instead of being on the inside looking out and wondering why it was wrong with my life four and a half years of fighting for a visitation finally the judge will threaten my ex to take her out of her home and put her in mind, I told him When he asked me, you know, what do I have to say about that? What do I think about that? And I told him, I said, look, my intentions were never to see my daughter taken out of her mother's home and placed in my home, that's not why I'm here. So, threats or not, that's not what I was gonna have to see done. If anything, I'll walk away and come back to this somehow and hoping that it won't damage me and my daughter's relationship. I just want to be a part, I just want my daughter to know her father and I want to be a part of my daughter's life, period. That's what prompted me to give up in the first place. That's what led to an emotional breakdown years down the road. When I had been clean so long and doing so good, and I succumbed to drugs and alcohol again, six and some years later, because I fell asleep at the wheel of a semi one morning, early, and it scared the shit out of me, you know what I mean? I mean, I grabbed the wheel when I woke up, and, and it just dawned on me that I didn't know how far I traveled. I was out almost to the grapevine, early in the morning again, and it scared the shit out of me, it scared me bad. I grabbed the you wheel. You were sober like, and you fell asleep. I was Yeah, I was just tired. i have been driving a lot of truck. I was driving truck for a long time. I was going out to Southern California every day. It's quite a drive to get, just get there and get yeah. a load off, let alone get a load and come back every day. And I fell asleep and it scared the crap out of me because I didn't know how far I traveled. If you're hauling down the highway 60 miles an hour or something and you fall asleep and you're at like 78,000 pounds. That's yeah, a lot. You, you wake up and you grab the wheel like, oh, shit, you know what I mean? But it wasn't like that. It, I, I remember specifically... Lifting my head up Like getting comfortable Before I realized That I was behind the wheel In a sense Where like I was like Oh man Like I want to Like say you're stretching Then you realize You're out, you're driving you're like Oh whoa And you're like Oh whoa Like it took that long For me to realize And I grabbed the steering wheel Oh man I was That I was flying And going towards the grapevine Somewhere outside of Bakersfield And I pulled that truck over Man and immediately As soon as I could And when, once I could get My mindset and realize it, I was in denial For a minute I was thinking Man there's no what's what's going i don't know how far i traveled bro i was scared to live in crap i mean i pull over praying to god man and um, i got an answer right away of course it's early in the morning why not but i needed to quit work i needed to go to that my job and, and quit that position somehow and get back to being city you know county only like type thing and pre-loading trailers for guys doing that which was driveline and get them out and get them out to further distances it scared me bad, I can't tell you, I can't i have a serious am right now, it really scared me. And it changed my life because I went, instead of giving up my job, because I didn't want to do that, to picking up something to stay awake. And after months of that, and just becoming more and more depressed about it, more and more isolated, more and more addicted again, it, it, it came to the point to where I had to realize and I had to tell my fiance. What would of respect keep you for awake? her, I said, I am fucking, I fucked up, you know, I, I started using it again. I love you so much that I can't drag you through this. You know what I mean? Um, I'm gonna separate myself. There's no way I can have you supporting me in this because I lost my my job. Of course, I let go of my marriage. You know what I mean? The first time I was gonna get married. I had doubts in it anyway because of other things, but it's a lot of stuff like that. I was losing visitation with my daughter because I was isolating, you know, because you know, of guilt. And that's why I think it led me to the emotional breakdown, like months, a year, and something later. As it just kept pounding me, like, you know I me mean? always like beating, you know how you beat yourself up about something. You know, you messed up, well, your daughter's probably wondering where you are. You know what I mean? Why are you not coming You know, twice a month to come pick her up? a little bit of time they gave you, you know what I mean? And it was always like, I seem like an outsider in a sense. Like, I know she loved me and she knew who I was, she knew I was capable of his father, but it was all that her mother and that side of what she was being raised around, keeping her from really giving, you know, being able to give a whole lot about I mean, school and whatnot. I mean, I go get her all the baseball stuff and everything she needed for softball, or whatever, and be sitting over there alone with my dog or something, watching her play softball. At the end of the day working, work, you know what I mean, alone. And I was just like, man, just never really felt real, and never really felt like the closest that I had with my family, where I was every day with my daughter, I knew I didn't have to worry about where she was or what she was up to, we'd ask her how school was going, if she needed clothes, you know what I mean? I tried, I did it, I accomplished it for myself. So that's what led me to emotional breakdown and led me to prison, led me to freaking coming home after 13 years, led me to being out here homeless today because I wouldn't give up to the point to where I thought, you know, if I don't pass away dying today, or crying if I do not die crying it's going to be a miracle because I was in so much pain and I was so broken and I wasn't even upset depressed any high or anything I just went to get up like a normal day and went to these restroom in the morning by the time I got around the corner of the bed I was hunched over and didn't know why something like I, somebody just told me I just like just a, a large breath came out of me and I, I just kind of like grabbed my knees and then was like kneeling over I was like, like I wanted to feel dizzy or something and when I stood up tears started rolling down my eyes and I wasn't even upset about anything I didn't understand what was happening Next thing you know, the thought about what was going on over here, with these tears rolling down my eyes, started hitting my heart. And for two and hour plus hours, I stood there gasping for air, trying to get air to my lungs. Let alone ask for help or try to cry out to somebody to help me, fucking get over what was going. I was just bawling my freaking eyes. I was so upset. It was not. Really, it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny at all. Because I honestly thought there were times that I was gasping for air. I was thinking, man, I'm gonna die. I can't even get it together long enough to ask for help or let anybody know who's over here. Tripping out, going like Frankie, Frankie, are you all right? You know, what I mean, they're, they're begging me to answer them. I, I couldn't even get, to get along to get enough airline lungs to tell them anything. It just continued to come out. I was so freaking, it was like it's, it's something was just kept pouring, like beating. All this stuff I've been being a better man all these years, having a good heart, just beating me for it, like killing me. I was like, this is stupid. All to freaking finally calm down after two hours plus and get my breath and i start to walk outside to my mom opening a car door, yelling, screaming at I me, mean, something about drugs. And uh, something clicked. All of a sudden I was a zombie, couldn't even talk, and didn't know where I was going or why I was doing, but I couldn't let nobody come near me and there was people all over the place. And everyone I saw, I wanted to victimize. And for reason just to get away from them, to get them away, I couldn't talk. I couldn't tell you what I felt for some reason because the post-traumatic stress disorder wouldn't allow it. I couldn't get any, anything together. I was like lost for cause something clicked and I was just a zombie trying to get away every time I tried to walk off or going where here's somebody coming up to me and I was just like trying to tell them like I need to get away from me let me because they thought something was wrong with me I was high on drugs so my mom was staying anyway, there was nothing wrong with me I had an emotional breakdown you know in mean, years of being a better man and tucking away a lot of pain all that pain through childhood and everything finally at 34 years old I snapped and the camel's back broke and, I, and there ain't no way to explain it other than you know, if any anybody ever had an inch of love in their heart for me or respect or saw me do anything solid for an amount of time, if I were them, I'd be one pissed off motherfucker that day I and mean, we walked up thought, you know, this is bullshit. And, then, you know, it's like here I am dealing with this stuff when I get home fine. This is what I'm dealing with. Instead of being able to focus on going to work tomorrow and bettering my life continuing to better my life. I got people taking everything from me because they're mad over it because I wouldn't leave a couple of dogs back in the day, years ago, to come be at my mother's bedside. And this is a hidden secret between them all. And, and believe it or not, my mom was using some of the most low-life people. I mean, I was active in prison. I stayed active. And I stayed mainline. You know what I mean? No matter what it took. And I get out here and I got some of those just freaking low-life people now living where I was supposed to be living, do, doing things with my mother that I was supposed to do. And my aunt was getting the same treatment and she, she was victimizing my mom when I got home with their cars and stuff, costing her a lot of money. But yet my aunt was one of the people going there and she was the first person to lock me away from all my stuff, my belongings, collectibles, because I, you know, I tend to collect cool stuff and hobbies and stuff and, and make sure she she write me off for a lot of them. You know what I mean? Seemed to that I, I felt so uncomfortable going anywhere near that place that I wouldn't even go over there. Just trying to get me locked back in prison, telling the cops things that weren't even true accusing me of, of violence and stuff like that. I was like, Barbie, you've been here three days. How are you, how do you figure all these bruises and stuff you're showing? I was like, you need to stop and you're lying. You know what I mean? But that's this is, this is where I'm at. Cause that. And I've grown kind of like, used to doing things on my own where all I need is to move up my head somewhere I can take care of myself. Where I can wake up in the morning clean know that I can get wherever it is I'm going to try to find work or try to, to get through the day or to go help, whatever it is I'm gonna try and accomplish to better my life in some way today. You know, that's usually what what has helped me. with my sister, she's always had an open door for me so I was always able to accomplish it. I bought her all her old, her old cars from her living with her. You know what I mean? Same, I always got a job no matter what. and start working and doing my part to help her pay bills. Mainly she would just ask me to save money to get her own my own spot, so that's what I would do. You know what I mean? So that's just where I'm at. I just got home. I went to prison oh eight. Before that I I had a truck driver. Going now to church you said that, and clean uh, and I'm in mean, there, you know, I never failed anybody. I was renting my own places. I moved my fiance and her children out of a gated community into a three bedroom home so they had their own rooms, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Just doing doing a better thing. And people think they always think with me, I'm trying to make myself look better than people. And to tell you the truth, look at me. If I wanted to have clean clothes on and look like better than somebody, or like I wanted to have a, a cooler hat or I was out there trying to get a better chick, being homeless or whatever else, I think I'd be up doing that. I wouldn't be sitting here talking with you. No offense, no disrespect in your direction, you know what I'm saying? I'd be out making myself look better than somebody. I let these dogs take over my life, you know what I mean? To the point to where I suffer a lot for these dogs. I look like this because of my dogs, because they're filthy, and I'm trying to manage them every day. I can't keep nothing clean with these dogs. I can bathe them all I want, and they always end up getting me filthy, but... Sorts of Because I can reach over here and, and they're not chaining on nothing. They're not leaving my side. They won't leave me. The white one will, 'cause he's a goofball. He doesn't know better. But the dark one refuses to let him. Like this dark one will not leave my side. The dog he adores me. You know, I anyway, mean? he, he is protective over me and everything else. So that's all I have now, because that's what I started with. When this thing started about me needing to come home with my mom, so lesson learned, I guess. You know what I mean? I guess I shouldn't give a shit about animals or try to help a youngster. That's. Lost his, you know, their home and property, and everything they've ever known to fires up there, and, and actually take this dog off his hand and he was desperately asking somebody, you know. I mean? And it was his sister's little dog. She was teaching Spanish and everything, you know. What I, mean? I met the girl. She was really excited to see Nico. I couldn't believe she could handle that dog. You know what? He wouldn't even come, he wouldn't even not jump on her. With me, he's he's been, he's one of the baddest football players I think I've ever seen. That dog can jump as high as my head, try to land me on mine, taking me down to the ground. And as soon as his feet hit the ground, he'll spin around and do it again. I mean, he's, he's dangerous. I've had to tell him, hey, in a serious way, like, check this out, dude. You better, you know, mellow out on me, dog. You know what I mean? Because he's bad. He's a badass. And he knows he can do it. He's really out. He's, he's hyperactive as hell, but he's learned to do what he's doing now and mellow out. I could walk I could walk off right now for me and you and take off of that store. You could leave. And I can guarantee you with almost everything I know, I can come from that store 45 minutes later, whether you're awake or not, and my dogs will be right here. He won't move. That's how much they've grown to trust me. That I'm, you know, I'm always gonna come back. I won't leave him, you know what I mean? That's why I always try to tell people, don't get my dogs fighting. They're, they're already the bloodline they are. Don't think for a minute that my dogs are good because I don't know, they're pussies or something like that. That's not the, what I'm talking about. I don't want, they already got a bad rap. Everybody knows that. Everywhere I go, people give me props on these dogs and they adore my dogs. And I had to tell some people, hey, you don't have to walk around my dogs, it's okay. I wouldn't have them right here on, on the sidewalk in front of the store with their children and stuff. And I thought for one minute they'd get up and hurt somebody. You know, I and mean, if they ever got if they ever made a liar out of me, I'd probably take me and my dogs and separate myself from society altogether and keep them away from them so I, and never bring them around society again. That's for a damn sure because I wouldn't want to see my dog hurt a child or, or a woman. But a lot of people are leery of them. They'll go leave the sidewalk. I tried telling them, especially like non- non-English, of, uh, yeah, non-speaking hey, English please. people, like I'll be like, hey, they're okay. They don't understand what I'm saying. They'll still walk around, and I feel kind of bad. Like, man, I need to move you guys. Come on. And when they do realize that they're not being barked at and bitten at and stuff, and my dog's loose, kind of dawns on the look back like, hey, that's a trip. And like, that's a first, you know, because they're not. They don't. I don't. They don't have no reason to. I've been raising them I've been showing these dogs love and, and forgiving them for, you know, making the mistakes they make and just continuing to, t- to teach them to get over that thing and that one thing that, you know, is bothering me or is a problem until they just do it.
0: Now you say that uh, You're using right now And it helps you mellow out It helps me mellow out It keeps me sane It's like
1: It's like this this It's the only thing That probably keeps me In this chair right now Not the fact that I'm high Or that I've used Today But just the simple fact that I'm a codependent So it never really Leaves my bloodstream You know what I'm saying In a sense where I have to maintain myself A little bit Medicate myself a little bit To be someone That will sit here And talk to you like this You know what I mean because normally I'd be like, I'm not talking to that dude. I mean, tell me i will talk to so many, so many people, you know, make, get a camera, make a TV show, try to make a difference because what's listening to me gonna do for anybody really, unless you really were here or really want to listen to me and hear somebody talking with their heart and the truth and not someone making up stories and going on in this direction, that direction or whatever it is, it confuses people, it makes them uneasy. Like, man, this guy's, it's kind of cool, but it ain't real, it's not real. And it's hard to be a real person in a, in a world that's, you know, make makeup and whatever else. Yeah. You, know, you know, fictional things that are gonna kind of piss people off. Everything's makeup Everybody's looking for the easier way. You know what I mean? Well will try slowing down walking by a shop down the street with a couple of dogs. Everybody wants out of the way or something. And still like, keep your head up. You know what I mean? And, you know, enjoy the people that you're around in the vehicle. Everybody's got a car and they're like, man, aren't you burning up? Don't you dogs need some water? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely... Uh, The thing I need to be doing, and I have done, they just left water 10 minutes ago, but they're okay. I have to explain to some people sometimes, I'm like, look, my dogs are really healthy as far as I'm concerned, that I know them. But they're gonna pant when it's hot. It's not because you need to drown them in water. They've had plenty of water, they just left water. All the water they wanted was available to them. It went, you know, two blocks down the road and they're panting now because it's hot. They're like, your dogs, they think I'm animal abuse. My dogs sometimes, my dogs sometimes. I said, no, we just left, like I say, I left them right here. 10 minutes ago I was in front of the store and they had all the water they want. I had to pour some out because they didn't want any, you know what I, mean? I get from the floor of the store to right here and they're panting because the heat you can't tell me that, that they need water they need a water break already because you know what I mean no it's because it's hot and this is how they deal with the heat Yeah. you know what I mean and they're always trying to accuse me of it I don't I don't blame them you know because I I, recognize, I, I try to put myself in other people's shoes and see a problem you know what I mean? it's hard for me to ask anybody out here for anything you know being homeless. So my famous thing is to ask for change because when I do need something, it's really not much. If it's a little something to eat, you know, on occasion, I'll ask somebody for a dollar or something, you know what I mean? Or some change, whatever they have, without feeling embarrassed. Um, But for the most part, I'll do like recycling or something. I mean, I can earn a few dollars every day picking up cans and plastic bottles that are laying around and just being kicked to the wayside, you know what I mean? Let's just get myself to do it and then have my dogs with me bagging it and keeping it in one spot, long enough to go, continuing to get enough where I could go to the recycle center somehow or wherever I'm gonna get there, which is walking usually, and get a few dollars in my pocket so I can buy myself a pack of cigarettes or whatever it is I need, you know what I mean? My dog some food or, you know, whatever it may be, something that I've been eating, Like, I, I have a problem with drinking sugar every day. I'm a soda, like, fiend. Like, I, I wake up in the morning needing something to drink, cold drink like that, with carbonation in it, and I, and I go to bed wanting it. Like, Every day You can see me out there Asking somebody for some change Mainly people I know Hey you got any change in me Because I want to be A burden upon people Going in and out of a store You know what I mean Asking people Asking people Getting a no It's not funny all the time You know what I mean It's not easy to let go of that It's like you got to have A good attitude about it If you get a no Just tell them thank you anyway And keep walking It's not even being smarter, you're a smart It's you trying to you trying to get over it. The fact that you get were Giving a no Instead of someone going Yeah here you go bro You know what I mean and Giving you some change You're going to have Something to drink When you get a no It's like Try to keep, continue to have a good attitude to take some practice, you know what I mean? You still gotta be grateful, you gotta be grateful for the no like you do the yes, you know what I mean? The same way because it was not, people tend to think that you're, you're, you're an asshole, you know what I mean? They didn't wanna see you having anything, man. So it's it humbling, sorry that much. The first thing I wanna do is say, Yeah, you gotta change, man, you know, you're sorry. <laughs> I know you gotta see, you're lying to me, or you know, I just saw you light one, and you can't do that to people, you, you put them on the spot it's just rude. And if that's the attitude they want to have, then so be it, you know, there's someone right around the corner that's more than willing to help you out. And some, you know I mean? A lot of times I am not even do anything and they'll give me money to make sure that my dogs are fed. They'll, t- they'll ask me to take care of my dogs, they'll slide me a little $5 or something on the side to get my, a couple cans of dog food, or whatever, and a bottle of water, you know what I mean? These dogs were all unhealthy and I was, I probably would you know, be out here. I'd be somewhere trying to just frantically get whatever it takes to take care of them. But they're happy. I've been homeless with them ever since I got them. Except for a little bit of time, I came home and it was in the home with my mom. Get out of my food. K. Okay, I. you want some more chicken?
0: Look okay. at them. They're hella mellow. They're hilarious. People love these dogs. I think now that your dogs are up and at them and they're starting to get a little active, <laughs> uh, it'd be a good time to end this. So uh, I would. Say I bye, think- Nico,
1: and bye, Kay. <laughs>
0: So thank you for uh, your stories. And, and I'm sorry uh, it's, not, it's
1: not fast enough for you. And so you can listen to it and sit there and listen. Maybe one day to help you help others and then get whatever it is you're going to accomplish something. But I wish you the best about it. And to tell you the truth, it's, it's an honor to meet you for coming and doing it in the first place. I, I wouldn't hold it against you if you went home and, and, and packed it up and put it on the shelf, to tell you the truth. Because, like with me, I, I've, I've, I've wanted to shed a few tears sitting out here. But to tell you the truth, I don't really want to share my life with people like this. Because all it does is, is cause me pain. I gotta find a way to get myself out of this chair now and get over it, you know what I mean? And still look at this day and where my situation is okay. Don't get worried about it, Frank, don't start tripping. Don't get mad. Don't go start blaming people and having an attitude with somebody because you want to get out of the situation. Don't go blaming the county for forcing you to call on them or whatever programs to get you somewhere where you're lost cause. All this time's gone by and all you've done is you became more lonely and confused, you know? That's one of the reasons why people like my cousin Don't go to the county for help Time is said and done they're, They may be somewhere in a better place Where they're out of the rain or something But they're not really happy You know what I mean They're not comfortable They can't look around and go Hey bro And have somebody talk to that can relate to them So go figure You know what I mean Why we're not somewhere where we should be Because we could be looking over and trying to talk to somebody And they really don't want nothing to do with us Take care less what you're saying You know what I mean you're awesome for doing that. We come and listen to people as much.
0: Well, thank you, and I appreciate everything you've done. All right. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it for now. I want to be clear on something. No one person grows up the same. Everyone has their own opinion and how they come up with it. That's why I started this, so that I can understand you and your guide to your path. If we all have different strengths, then maybe, just maybe, we can learn from each other.